everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of That's Wild with Lydia and Madeline. Uh, do you have anything you want to say before we begin? Because I completely forgot how we start this show. <laughs> you sound you sound a little bit down and out there, buddy. Was it the Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> We're no, I actually had a great time. I uh, I played a bard, a half-elf bard, and um, I convinced some guards that we were a traveling circus. Oh, that's fun. Guys, we're a little bit re- late re- releasing this episode because Lydia had to play Dungeons and Dragons. No, it's not just because of that. It's because of various reasons. Yeah, it's also Easter <laughs> and Passover, so it's been a little yeah. hectic. I had homework. I had a project due on Thursday. We're very tired grad students. Let us live. I have a project due on Sunday that I haven't finished. It's okay. And it's good. It's really good. It's so good. <laughs> it sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm so happy. <laughs> so. Everything's uh, fine. Everything's fine. Do you have any animal news for me? Yes! Do you want to share it? <laughs> okay, hang on, let me go to my notes. Uh, okay, I almost swore. Yeah, I know. Um, I heard it in your voice. You hear me stop myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, animal news. Let's news some animals. Fuck oh, yeah. God. I'm so sleepy. Guys, let me get real close to the mic. I'm really sleepy. Okay, um, first animal news. First one. Uh, <laughs> a two-year-old dingo, you know it's about to be good, yeah. named Sandy Maliki, Aww. has won the world's most interesting genome competition. That was a competition? It was a competition for I wasn't a even in the running. I know, which is a <laughs> shame. That's a swear. Uh, because... Uh, <laughs> You would have won because you were so interesting. Anyway, other competitors, they were competing for a grant to sequence their genome, basically, oh. were a sea slug, Aww. a temple pit viper, okay, a bombardier beetle, and a pink pigeon. Oh, wait. There are pink pigeons? Like soft pastel pigeons? It's a species called the pink pigeon so not the same as our rock dove pigeons i know all of the birds from hopeful boyfriend (laughs) that's how i learned my birds that's that's a good primer on bird types i still have to play holiday star i haven't played it either i gotta play it i haven't played the one with the with the bleeding heart dove either that's in the first one it's in the first one but it's in the expansion i was playing that game when it first came out i was og hot to full boyfriend before it was even on steam i had a a bootleg translation of it anyway don't confess that (laughs) i've long since deleted it i was a foolish high schooler anyway do you have any more animal news so good yes jeez christmas um, a new early Triassic relative of the dinosaurs, uh, so it's not a dinosaur, but it's a cousin. Aww. It's called, uh, it, it's in a group of animals called a Phanosaurs. 
like fantasy. a fantasy. Like a fantasy? <laughs> a fantasaur. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. Um, it was discovered actually in the 30s, but it, the guy who was describing it died. Oh. And it hasn't been <laughs> re-described <laughs> until now. They found more of them. And so it, it, they called it Teleocrater radinus. Mm-hmm. It was 10 feet long, walked on four legs, and it's exciting because it uh, was more crocodilian than dinosaurian, which means the earliest dinosaurs may have looked more like crocodiles than little weird Lydia, you know how much I love crocodilians. Me, yeah, me too. They're, they're really good. They're all so good. They're so good. Yeah. Um, anyway... So then there's another dinosaur fact here. A new tiny dromaeosaur, which is you lay people know as the raptor group. Oh. Um, very tiny, was discovered in China. It weighs just a little more than half a pound. Aww. Um, Maybe about rabbit-sized. Um, <laughs> oh, baby! One of the smallest non-avian dinosaurs, and it had legs for days. It was a non-avian, but it's called a raptor? Yes. Wild how these things happen. It's not really called a raptor. Raptor is, like, the pop culture name. It oh, okay. Really... It's it's the Jurassic Park name. Yeah, exactly. Dinonychus I'm... and all those fools. Yeah. Technically... If you include birds and dromaeosaurs, which is accurate, they're all raptors. But that's not how raptor <laughs> is used in avian dinosaur lingo. It's used for birds of prey. Anyway, the name of this dinosaur, which I'm about to pronounce real bad, is, is Zhongjiansosaurus Yangi. Um, I like him was- already. He's got the he was a microraptor, so in addition to like having really long legs, he probably also had little leg wings. Oh, oh, yes. Bless so him. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, I love that. Another fact: a giraffe gave birth today. Oh, I saw that. Her name is yeah. April, right? That's correct. Yay, April the giraffe! Congratulations. She just dropped. When a giraffe gives birth, that is a long drop for yeah, that baby. Yeah, it's like three I mean, it, feet. Three it feet, really six plops feet. down. Ooh, it, it, it's it. There's a significant thud <laughs> involved when a giraffe gives birth. How many feet is it's it? It's alarming. Is it like six? I feet? don't know, but it's a lot. It's and, it's more than you would want to drop a baby. And if you watch the birth, it's like most of it is legs coming out, and oh. it's like a little creature of darkness that's it's a little like leg legs. creature just a lot of leg and poor things um you sound um, so knackered like you sound so exhausted i'm so tired and i still have to do homework after this i'm suffering um mandrills <gasps> i love mandrills if if you don't know dear listeners are a type of baboon they the look with they are Rafikis. The Rafikis, right. They yeah. aren't the ones that look like a badly drawn dog, are they? I, well, I think you're thinking of a female mandrill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Female mandrills. The, that picture you showed me. <laughs> I mean, most female 
baboons look a little like that. <laughs> Female mandrels look like a dog drawn by somebody who doesn't know how to draw a dog. I love them so much. Drawn by me when I was ten. Um. Anyway, mandrels can smell parasites and feces. Oh. And they avoid grooming their friends when they have nasty poops. <laughs> so... <laughs> If you've if if you've got like a lot of diarrhea, you're not gonna get groomed because yeah. you're gross. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't braid your hair, Cynthia. <laughs> you had some really you've bad got the bathroom activities. Flu. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. So let's see what else we got. Is there any? Is there? Is it a new crab? Please, no, it's not is... a new crab. Oh. <laughs> but it's a new shrimp. <gasps> That's a new crustacean. <laughs> it's a new crustacean. It's a new species. A new species of pistol shrimp, <gasps> which, if you didn't know, is the shrimper with the big claw mm-hmm. that goes boom, and it's so loud that the fish are like ah, and then it eats them. <laughs> That's how it does. And it's like so a Pokemon this... based off of it, right? Yeah, the clauncher. Yeah. The cl- the clauncher. <laughs> the <clauncher>. Only one. <laughs> there can only um, be one. <laughs> clauncher. Um and it has one so it's one huge claw is, is bright pink. Mm-hmm. So it was given the name Synalpheus Pink Floydy. <gasps> what a That's good right. Name. And um, it, it, it lives in Panama. It's very small. And um, the paper, I read parts of the paper where it was described. And in, in one part where it was describing its habitat, the authors mentioned that it is unlikely to occur on the dark side of the moon due to oh. lack of suitable habitat. Yeah. And I was I like, mean... <laughs> you, you people in your jokes. I don't know. I thought it was a and really good And that was published. <laughs> That's all the dinosaur and other animal news. That's, That's all our... fit to print. Crustacial news. Crustacial news. Uh, so... I don't chickens. Know. Okay. We're doing chickens. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs> it's it's chickens. chickens. Surprise, chickens. You probably saw it in the Oops, title. all chickens. <laughs> I am... Dear listeners... Tomorrow is Easter, which means that I gave, well, back backstory. I gave up meat for Lent, which means for the 40 days before Easter, I imposed on myself a law that I was not allowed to eat meat. But starting tomorrow, for the first time in 40 days, I will be able to eat meat. And I have been looking forward to a hot, juicy chicken tender since... Like, I started mm, this. It Just think been, of it sizzling. It's been a long, hard 40 days, and I just want to eat some fried chicken. <laughs> uh, yeah. I actually, I had a professor in undergrad. Um, cool Juan. story. Well, okay, his name was Juan, <laughs> and he was my professor at UF. And uh, he actually... He had two chickens, uh, red chicken and brown chicken, <laughs> which are really good names. Really and good. 
he was really into like chicken keeping because he like me is from south florida and he always kept chickens in his property growing up so in gainesville there's like an ordinance that you can't have more than two chickens at any given time uh on your property but uh good old juan he fought the good fight and raised that ordinance to three chickens good job juan thanks juan (laughs) doing the lord's work yeah uh chickens are really prominent in latin america latin americans are into chickens (laughs) so are a lot of cultures actually i mean they're big deal yeah um I mean, in in Colombia, there's actually this superstition, uh, not superstition, it's like a monster myth uh, called, Uh, to clarify, a cryptid, it's a cryptid. (laughs) To clarify for our listeners, Maddie is Colombian. I think I've said that. I know, but not on this episode. Right. Well, just like episode one and episode two and episode three, I'm still Colombian. She's still. I mean, I just want them to know that you're talking about your own culture in case they're jumping in from yeah. episode four. Yeah. Chickens. They're chickens. like, why would I start with bats when I could go chickens like a fool? This person just has like, uh, like a Google alert set to any time something <laughs> with chicken in the title is uploaded to the internet. Mm-hmm. That's um, correct. In Colombia, there's a, a cryptid called El Pollo Maligno. Do you want to guess what that means? The malignant chicken? Yeah, the evil chicken. <laughs> That's really good. It's a giant chicken. I want chicken. that to just be a dish. It would be really tasty, like spicy. Okay. so But then afterwards, no mandrills will groom you. Yeah. It's so malignant. <laughs> Very dangerous meal. The last meal you ever have. Uh, but so, so worth it. Uh, El pollo malino, or the evil chicken, is a, is a giant cryptid. That lures hunters into the jungle and then kills them. And according to Columbia.com, the one source <laughs> all things Columbia. Is there like a United States of America.com? I don't know. I didn't check. Should be. <laughs> according to Columbia.com, the only way to make El Pollo Maligno disappear is to recite the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection. I guess I'm screwed because I don't know it. <laughs> Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. I'll just be like, hey, look out. You're going to be in my matzo ball soup if you don't get, get, get gone. Get, get on. <laughs> get walking. The comedy is strong in me today. Yeah, that was a that was a really good joke, Lydia. Thanks. I just wanted to remind everyone that I'm Jewish. Thanks. <laughs> I'm Jewish, everyone. I appreciate your Judaism. Thanks. Um, and sleepy. I'm a sleepy and Jewish. You're a so sleepy, sleepy little Jew. And I'm, I'm a little yid, and I gotta go to bed. <laughs> and I'm a very. I'm kind of energetic. I'm a very energetic goy right now. I know. You're you're fully charged goy, and I hate it. <laughs> Hard goy. Full throttle goy. Hard goy. <laughs> too I fast, too goy. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, chickens. Yeah, and so uh, also in Latin America, um, 
the Caribbean is a hotbed of um. Oh yeah, they they're way chickeny. They're yeah, super they're into super chicken. Into chickens, but and they make uh, really good, tasty chicken. Yeah, but um, I hope none of our listeners are vegan because yeah. they won't like this episode. Sorry, guys, we're we're filthy carnivores. Chickens is real good. Oh god, stop reminding me. I'm so so good. Anyway, I was gonna say the <laughs> the Caribbean is a hotbed for folkloric Christianity. Um. Which happened because, um, obviously, the people of Africa, specifically the Yoruba people, when they were brought by the slave trade to the Americas, specifically to Cuba and Puerto Rico and other countries in that area, um, same with, like, Jamaica and stuff, Haiti, uh, those cultures, those the Yoruba's religious practices fused with the religion of their oppressors, the Catholics or the Christians at the very least. Um, and sometimes it was as a means of hiding their religion from their oppressors, but sometimes it was a genuine mix of the, of the two. So an example of this would be voodoo or vodan, however you want to pronounce it, um, which is Haitian. Uh, but another example of it would be Santeria. Uh, which is practiced a lot in South Florida, where I'm from, uh, because it has a very large Cuban and Puerto Rican population. And uh, if you ever find yourself in Miami, for example, you may come across Spanish-speaking stores that appear to be pet stores. Be very careful, because Mm -hmm. some of them are not pet stores. Some of them are ritual sacrifice stores so you go there to get your goats your chickens what have you um and so the reason i mentioned santeria is because one of the main animals sacrificed in that religion is um the chicken and for some backstory on animal sacrifice and its legality in america it has been protected by the the right to religious freedom um and, uh, like, for example, in Santeria, the, they sacrifice to the Orishas as part of initiation ceremonies. Um, the Orishas are the elder children of the creation goddess Olodumare. And the Orishas are, like, identified with different uh, Christian saints. So, like, hmm. Elegua is associated with St. Anthony, Ogun with St. Peter, etc., etc. So you need to sacrifice an animal for initiation ceremonies, and without blood, there's no legitimate consecration. Um, But slaughter animals are usually, well, they're almost always well-kept prior to their death and are killed in a humane way that is similar to halal and kosher slaughter. And... uh, Mm -hmm. After an animal is slaughtered, its blood is fed to the Orishas as offerings, and its meat is cooked and eaten by practitioners. So it's not like these people are just killing animals for, like... And then, like, tossing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that would be a European thing to do. Yeah. Cough, cough, cat parade. <laughs> cough, cough. Um, yeah, no, I seriously am not bothered by animal that sacrifice. kind of Because th- it's very... It, it's as humane as... Yeah, picking it's one up at the store, get, and yeah, probably more because they probably lead better lives up to it. Uh, yeah, 
There's even like a, oh. a, a group, an organization called SAFE, which is Santeros Against Fraud and Exploitation, which takes a strong stance on the ethical treatment of slaughter animals. Oh, good. Yeah, so they're really... Good for them. Yeah. yeah. Also, you're probably going to have to mute or tone down part of my audio while you were talking because my gerbil just made a ton of noise. He had like a little <laughs> mini party in his cage for a second. He was having a but, good time. He was just checking. He heard that I was there and he came up to the desk part of the cage and looked at me and was like, are you going to put any food into my mouth? And then he left. <laughs> Did you put any food in his mouth? No, because I'm doing a podcast and that would be noisy. Mm. Well, one last thing before we leave Latin America and then you can tell us what chickens are because I don't know. I just read the word chicken. Nobody knows. <laughs> Um, uh, according to Mexican superstition, a rooster crowing at night is overall generally bad news, and it can signify death or the presence of nearby brujas or witches, or, uh, just, like, general bad luck. And if a rooster crows indoors, it signifies a victory, and if one crows at the front door, that foretells the arrival of a stranger, and if it crows at sunset, it's an omen of bad weather. Uh, in general, white roosters are good luck and black ones are bad luck. And according to one superstition, if you're walking under roosting chickens and one pees on you, if it was a hen, it will bring bad luck. But if it was a rooster, it will bring good luck. Sexist. (laughs) The patriarchy. The patriarchy penetrates even here in our chickens. In our chickens. Since you talked about crowing, let me talk about that before I talk about where, what chickens are. Oh, okay. So, just because it's a nice little segue and it's good. Um, so, d- crowing. Why do they do it? Why do they do it in the morning, especially? Because they do pretty much just before the sun rises crow. Yeah, and why? It's it's wake up time. No, that's not why. Never mind. (laughs) The roosters do it. Um, So crowing ancestrally is just like other forms of bird song, um, is to attract attract mates and to establish territories. So roosters will start crowing in the early morning the same way other birds will start chirping and a-tweeting. It's just that roosters are very loud. Oh. Um, and uh, they will crow kind of in, in a pecking order, like the most aggressive and dominant rooster will crow first, and then the second one will do it, and then the third, and so on. And they will also crow just during the day when they see a threat, like if there's a car pulling up, they'll be mm-hmm. like, hey, hey, I'm a rooster. Um, and Or if they see food, sometimes they'll just crow, be like, hey. It's food. Um, or just in general, they just are crowy. And uh, females find it sexy sometimes. And mm. it's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, He's so got the chickens, voice of an angel. He's got the voice of a zombie angel. So chickens, they... Um, they're birds. They're, they're birds. Correct. Good are they job. raptors? N- not birds of prey no if they they are dromaeosaurs i think i have to double check to make sure 
AVs is included in Dromaeus Day, but I think it is. Anyway, um, uh, so their wild ancestor is actually called the Red Jungle Fowl. Um, and if you look at pictures of it, you will be like, I'm doing that right of now the, of the, uh, red jungle fowl. You'll look at the male and you'll be like, okay, that's basically a rooster looks the same. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a female, it doesn't quite look like a domestic chicken. It's brown and very plain looking and it doesn't have waddles, oh. which are the red bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because... That suggests that in the process of domestication, uh, female chickens were selected to look more like males. These um, are beautiful, and, kind of and I want ten. I want to keep one as a pet. The jungle fowl? Well, don't. They're wild animals, so I shouldn't. <laughs> also, they're kind of going extinct because domestic chickens are hybridizing with them, and so like the pure <gasps> wild ones are very rare now and it sucks um and they are from asia south asia and a lot of different parts um and so the domestication probably started between seven and five thousand years ago and there is possibly multiple domestication events in uh, south asia around the indus valley in china Mm -hmm. um and the interesting thing is they were probably originally domesticated not for food, but for cockfighting. Oh. Um, because that had a big place in a Industry, lot of yeah. cultures. Yeah, it had a big part in a lot of culture and in a lot of ceremonies and stuff like that. There were a lot of superstitions surrounding it. Um, and so they were kept for a long time kind of as ornaments and maybe they were sometimes eaten or the eggs were sometimes eaten, but more as like, uh, this sport, the world's Otis sport, this blood sport. Um, and Egyptians may have been the first to start, um, using them more as a food source Mm -hmm. because they figured out how to incubate the eggs and oh. uh, they actually had like incubation ovens and such, what? like because it it takes a lot to incubate them properly, and you have to turn them several times. Um, and and once Egypt you can, was inc- like on the ball when it came to animals. I know they're very good at domesticating, and and a lot of domestic animals just came from South Asia too. Yeah, Egypt and like China and South Asia in general, they. Mm-hmm. Really, we're Africa on the ball. Sometimes. Yeah, I know. So good job, guys. Um, yeah, and, and once you can incubate the eggs, that means you can take the eggs away and the chicken with an empty nest will lay another egg. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can raise chickens without sacrificing like the chicken's laying capabilities for those few weeks that it takes the chickens to grow up or um, so on and so forth. And things get a lot more efficient. Um, but... Um, they were still more, and, and Egyptians, I think, liked, did it mostly for the eggs and not the meat. Um, and then Romans started using chickens for meat um, because they were able to have big farms where they could protect them and well, I may, feed them I may a lot. quibble with that later. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, this is what I read. But, uh, okay, that's but, fair. Uh, and then after the Romans went kaput... Um, yeah. Europe kind of switched over to geese and partridges because chickens took a lot of work to raise. Um, 
and they didn't really take off as a major food source the way they are now until the industrial age. So they were more like heirloom type. Why was foods. the switch done? Because they kind of figured out how to factory farm them. Um, they were they figured out the nutrition that you could fatten up a chicken really quickly. They started mass breeding them. Um, they figured out that you could give them vitamin D and or, or give them indoor lighting instead of having them be outside, which meant they could pack them in a lot tighter. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's how we have chicken as kind of a catch-all meat now. And it, chicken is the most efficient of our popular meats to gr- I think it takes it's... less grain per pound than like yeah, beef. And... I think it's the most widely consumed meat in the world, but I may be making that I up. didn't check that, but it's possible. But that's all because they're factory farmed. I'm gonna look that up because <sighs> I, I, may, and, I think um, I did make that up. <laughs> possibly. Um, anyway, though, they, they uh, are so in some cases the broiler chickens which are the meat ones are so like <laughs> so bred in such a way where even if you put them outside and give them like space to roam they'll just sit next to the food trough all day mm. <laughs> and just be like i exist as a thing to be fattened feed me <laughs> and it's kind of sad <sighs> but okay. um then there are the the i guess heirloom chickens or special breeds that are that have like personality which so is nice. <laughs> i was wrong the most widely produced meat worldwide is pork at 38%, but poultry that makes more sense. <laughs> poultry is the second most widely eaten type of meat, which is about 30%, and chicken is the most widely consumed poultry. However, yes. in my diet, chicken <laughs> way outnumbers pork cuz I don't really like pork that much, except as bacon. God, I love bacon. I didn't really eat pork until I got older because it's not really a Jewish dish. No, it's. I don't keep kosher, obviously, though, so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went to Virginia to my grandma's house, who is not Jewish, and she fed us ham, and my mom was like, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Nana. (laughs) Family memories. I, I find pork to be a little bit too dry. I don't know. It depends on how you cook it. Yeah, uh, it definitely does. If you like, let it. It's a very finicky meat. It's it is definitely and like if you if and you have to be really careful about not undercooking it. But if you overcook it, then it's all then it's all shot. gone. It's <laughs> all ruined. Um, since we're on we're the talking topic, about chickens, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say since we're on the topic of Judaism and chickens, um, the Day of Atonement uh, on the afternoon before Yom Kippur. There is a ritual. Yom Kippur. Yo- what did I say? Yom Kippur. <laughs> Yom Kippur. <laughs> is it Yom-, Yom Kippur, that famous Jewish holiday? <laughs> is it Yom Kippur? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's I'm fine. Sorry. D- don't worry. You just happen to have a Jew right here. So. Yeah. Thank you. Um, on Yom Kippur, there's a there's a very now uncommon ritual called kaparos that is traditionally meant to be carried out or not necessarily meant to be it's like a cultural thing i guess um but it dates back as early as 670 AD in babylon and 
It's a practice that involves swinging a chicken or rooster around the head and then sacrificing the animal to receive atonement as the animal symbolically takes on the person's sins. Uh, and then the meat is customarily donated to the poor. Um, and I say swinging, but it could also just be like moving it around your head or like holding it around your head. And then no, no, it. we swing it. I'm just <laughs> kidding. We don't do that. <laughs> you don't keep kosher, but you definitely swing chickens. I definitely do the chicken swing. I mean, who would want to miss out on that? <laughs> classic, classic tradition. Um, Swinging a chicken. The the practice can also be done with money, and then the money is donated to the poor. And, Chickens, uh, money. Same thing. Uh, this same is, thing. This probably came into fashion because uh, some Jewish groups have strongly opposed the tradition on the grounds of, I'm going to pronounce this definitely wrong, Zar Balei Chaim, the principle of banning cruelty to animals. Um, Luckily, I don't know that word, so but <laughs> it sounds about right, as long as you're pronouncing your eyes as like E's. The eyes are pronounced is it, like E's? Is E's? it a C-H? Yeah. Chaim. So Chaim. You gotta have the Chaim. Chaim. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Hey, can you pronounce R? Nope. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> we all have our strengths here. There's a tongue twister wild. in Spanish that's um, R con R cigarro, R con R barril. Oh, all right, stop showing off. <laughs> um, and then there's also the rabbinic. Rabbinic, is that how you pronounce that word? Mm-hmm, rabbinic. The rabbinic text, the Talmud, refers to... Talmud. Talmud? Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Talmud refers to learning co- learning courtesy towards one mate from the rooster, which references the fact that a rooster will apparently, I didn't know this, often call hens to eat first when he finds something good to eat. That um, is true. And hey! it is a sex strat, which is sex strat. less... It, they do it uh, maneuvers because, yeah uh, it, 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 it makes the chickens more likely to mate with them and also just because usually the chickens offspring if they're in their territory are their offspring so they, the chicks come with the chickens and it's beneficial for the rooster I but um, yeah like it is very really, cute I have a really wild feeling that the, the rabbis or the holy people who wrote the Talmud we're not thinking of it in terms of sex traps. Well, you know, the rabbis were very practical men, so who knows? <laughs> the Talmud also says, had the Torah not been given to us, we would have had we would have learned modesty modesty from cats, honest toil from ants. I've chastity, never met a modest cat. I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> chastity from doves and gallantry from cocks. And doves oh, are oh, not chaste. I will believe you on the ants and if i don't know anything about animals maybe i'll be on the chastity from doves but i've seen cats lick their buttholes they are not modest animals (laughs) in the least (laughs) well yeah i wonder where that came from Mm. yeah i don't know who who on this earth has ever looked at a cat and been like that's a modest animal (laughs) Maybe because they don't brag, because they can't talk. Yeah, but then you could say, like, modesty no, from but dogs. Sh- I would have said loyalty from dogs instead of modesty from cats. Well, we don't care about loyalty, just modesty. Oh, okay. Loyalty isn't listed 
in the Talmud. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you want to tell me any other things? Oh, shit. Um, I mean, poop. Um, so, I said that the uh, the red jungle fowl was the ancestor to all chickens. Yeah. Uh, all handsome domestic boys. Chickens. Handsome, handsome boys. Um, and uh, there are other, several other color variations of jungle fowl, such as green jungle fowl, gray jungle fowl, and, <laughs> oh god, what's the other one called? I didn't write it down, but Is it's it not a color. Jungle fowl? Oh. No, <laughs> it's not a color, and that's funny to me. Um, <laughs> but you forgot the punchline. I forgot to write it down. Anyway, um, it is now thought that um, at some point during the process of domestication, some gray jungle fowl business slipped in there because they have genes that give uh, yell- them yellow legs, and red oh. jungle fowl never have yellow legs. So at some point, somebody bumped with a with a gray boy, and now <laughs> our chickens have yellow legs. But it's mostly red jungle fowl. Well, um, I think the yellow legs are very attractive, and also there's a joke about Twelfth Night in there somewhere, but I can't think of it. I don't even know what the joke would be. In Twelfth Night, there's a character, and they convince him to wear really ugly yellow leggings so that he can woo his lover. And they were making fun of him because he was a really annoying character. Hmm. Okay. Well. I know a lot about Shakespeare. He was a great jungle fowl. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and interestingly, jungle fowl can fly. They don't fly very far because they're more... The whole clay that they're in, which I guess I should have mentioned, is it includes the whole galliforms group mm-hmm. which chickens are in well um, gallina and galina mean chicken that's because they are in galliforms maybe um, that's where galliform came from no i think the latins got there first well in latin it's galina is what i'm that's saying that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying okay Gallin. we're saying the same thing we're saying the same thing i'm tired and Galliforms, um, chicken forms, chick- chickens, but also things like partridges, pheasants, poultry uh, forms. Poultry. Well, are turkeys and galliforms? I should have written this down. I'm so tired. Uh, turkeys are not in the same. Turkeys are like sisters. No, turkeys are galliforms. Um, because ducks are anseriforms. So galliforms and anseriforms are like an out branch of um, birds. I'm not explaining this well. Birds. It's okay. <laughs> Just get to what you um, were trying to say. They're, they they came out of dinosaurs. And then. Right. Uh, came right out of them. A few groups split off early on. And one of those groups was the galliforms, which includes chickens. So mm-hmm. chickens have been separate from most modern birds for actually quite a few million years, which is quite interesting. Um, I guess they and, do kind of look different. Like if I looked at a chicken, yeah, I'd be I like, mean that's past, a meaty yeah. bird. It's a very meaty bird. Pat, well, we've bred them that way, wild chickens. But I mean, like even jungle this fowl. jungle form. Yeah, that, I mean it's it's yeah. Um, they. They, they look different have... from mockingbirds, is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah. I mean, mockingbirds are passerines, which is the big 
perching bird group, which makes up of over half of all birds. And that group is part of Neo-Aves, which is the new birds. more modern birds. Yeah, And it's not to say chickens aren't just as new, because they've evolved the same amount of time, but they branched off a long time ago. Right. I, d- I don't want to confuse our listeners about how evolution works. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that that's kind of a cool thing, because... Um, when you look at ducks, you will right. notice that they have penises, which most birds lack. Right, they have cloacas. Um, yeah, well, yeah, so a cloaca, for those of you who don't know, is a hole. A genital A multi-purpose opening. hole. It, it does everything. It, it, it poops, uh, it pees, it does things. If, if they pee, uh, sometimes they just combine the poop and the pee. Mm-hmm. Um, Efficiently. And, and it passes sperm or it mm-hmm. accepts sperm so um and it most... kiss the cloacal yes, cloacal cloacal kiss cloacal kiss yeah not <laughs> i should hope it doesn't make that <laughs> uh, be most, very upsetting <laughs> most species of birds mate by pressing their cloaca together um and this is called a cloacal kiss and just kind of the sperm kind of drops out of the male and into the female and because Romance. of um, because of this, because the f- male doesn't have a phallus that kind of puts the sperm physically in, um, most birds have really elaborate courtship displays to convince the female. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no forced copulation in most birds, to put it nicely. Uh, obviously, ducks are an exception. And it's thought that because they're such an ancient offshoot, uh, the ancestral birds did have phalluses, and dinosaurs probably had phalluses because if you think about it, life would be really difficult if in a number didn't. of ways <laughs> if they didn't. But flesh is not preserved. Mm-hmm. We can only imagine what sauropods did. Or, God, have you ever thought about um, stegosaurus sex? Because I have... I have because you sent me pictures of like scientific drawings of them once (laughs) and it was really upsetting you because you were like, but the spikes. (laughs) There's a a stegosaur relative called Kentrosaurus that instead of the plates, it just has straight up huge spikes. And think about it. Just think about it. I was going through my phone the other day because I was trying to show a picture (laughs) <laughs> that I ha- that we had in our group chat a really long time ago to my friend Hasu. What picture? I think it was a picture of a bat, probably. Probably. So I was good. I was scrolling through the 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 pictures that we have in our group chat, and she was like, "Hang on, because there is just like a block <laughs> of images of dinosaur sex that you sent us." <laughs> I was, I was, for like 24 hours, I was really concerned about dinosaur sex. Completely enthralled. To be fair, it's really interesting. And when you get to the size question, it's actually terrifying. The size that (laughs) the genitals would have had to be. (laughs) Like, a T-Rex phallus would probably be like the height of a man. That's incredible. Yeah, That's it's terrifying. Lot. Wait, how do like whale penises compare? How big oh, are those? Oh, they're big. They're so big. They're terrifying. 
And I, I just remember in one of my biology classes, we were watching a documentary on whales and David Attenborough at one point goes, and he pumps gallons of sperm. <laughs> and the whole class was like, oh, God. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And, oh, and geez, the female Rick. whale was like rolling over because she wasn't into it. And then you see this, I guess, pinkish elephant's trunk going at her. Oh, and no. I was like, don't. I don't want to. David. 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 Come on. There's a boat named after you, David. Have some more decorum. There are several species of animals named after you, David. <laughs> There's at least one spider, I think. <laughs> at um, least. Anyway, anyway, the point that I was making about bird dicks is that so so anseriforms mostly call have them penises. penises. This is an educational podcast. I don't know if it's more appropriate to call them penises or phalluses, but I'm just going to use Either. both. Interchangeable. Uh, well, because penises are kind of... Because phalluses and birds work differently than penises do. Right. It's a different thing. They're projection outside of the cloaca. A penis is a cloaca. type of phallus. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's an intramissive organ. All right. Say what you were going to say about um, <laughs> chicken so dicks, right? Um, so... Anyway, so ducks have penises. Galliforms right. generally have short or long, but penises. Um, chickens, at some point in evolution, separately from the rest of birds, um, evolved so that their embryos, start, the embryos of the males, start developing penises, but then a specific gene turns off and they stop. So uh. when male chicks are born, they have a little baby bimp. They have just My. a tiny bimp. And sometimes females have a little bump too, and that's how people can tell male chicks from females is by looking for the bimp. My um, uncle, uh, I come from a chicken family. <laughs> my, mm -hmm. my uncle, who married into my Colombian family, but he himself is not. Is this the same Latin uncle American. who saw bat on the toilet? Yeah, this is the same uncle. Uh, oh, Theo Ed. <laughs> He owns a, he owned a chicken farm in Latin America. He was actually, I think my mom is telling me he was part of the Secret Service or something. Um, he was like involved in protecting important people, and then huh. he uh, like he, and yet he, he ran at the sight of a bat. Well, I think he he retired very early. He was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so uh, he met with some guy who was like, I have a business proposition for you. It's a chicken farm in Colombia, and he was like, "Sure, sounds good." So he Why started. A, he started a chicken farm. He met my aunt, um, and they would have people like special people come in from Japan to sex chickens, sex mm -hmm. the baby chickens. Yeah, it, it's it's quite difficult because I've heard, uh, I've heard the yeah, Japanese it, are weirdly good practice. at it. Like I, I, I don't think, think it's it's a race. It's not really. It's not related to race. <laughs> not like inherently all Japanese people are good mm, at that's a boy. chicken. <laughs> I think it's more like there's an industry for it. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, because the other way is through genetic testing. Right. Um, yeah, and and um, it can be hard because, like I said, some female chicks also have a little bimp. Um. But um anyway the so the interesting thing is the fact that they lost their dicks at some mm -hmm. point um suggests that that's that penises just weren't useful to them anymore um and 
the thought behind this is that wait so uh, so chickens don't have penises anymore they had them and then they lost them okay they they lost them so did the rest most of the rest of the birds um right ostriches have them for some reason because ostriches are just (laughs) ostriches um, are a disaster it don't google ostrich penis because it's really like mm, it's not something you want to see um what was I saying? Anyway, um, but uh, it, it suggests that at some point they kind of diverged from the duck mating style, which is s- s- not always traumatic insemination, but often. <laughs> and uh, and this in ducks, this has started like kind of an arms race between the males and the females, where the males are are involving intenser and intenser corkscrew penises and the females are involving intenser and intenser like anti-corkscrew vaginas <laughs> but in chickens evolutionarily disadvantageous it it's like some some once it gets started you can't really stop it even if it's not necessarily <laughs> it's great the for cold the species war as a whole duck exactly it, it's called the red queen effect because the target basically keeps moving because both sexes are like the female wants to be able to pick her mate the male wants to be able to mate with as many females as he can so their goals Mm -hmm. are kind of misaligned um but the nice thing about chickens is that apparently they they may have been in this arms race but something happened where it just became more advantageous for the male to completely back off on the sexual aggression front and start um doing elaborate courtship displays instead like other like the more modern birds do right um and so he lost the need for a phallus so that's incredible. nice incredible um not that you know what nothing you can't really slap human morality onto animal behavior right it's just nice to us because of what we perceive as humans as moral right. but anyway i think it's nice um <laughs> can you can you give me two shakes i need to plug in my headphones because they're about to die i just want to go five six seven eight <laughs> one day we're gonna be able to record an episode without me having to stop halfway through or you having to stop halfway through mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll do you it one day. life finds a way yeah that's a thing Mm. Um, oh god, my dribbles are making so much noise. It's okay, Stop. I love them. Um, Stop. Lydia, do you know what Stop. year it is? <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Stop it. Um, <laughs> you tell them. Uh, do you want a treat? <laughs> Give them a sunflower I'm seed. Giving them a treat. I'm giving them a watermelon seed. Because sunflower seeds are fatty. Aww. And they're already kind of fat. Hey, Aww, those are some chunky gerbs. They are gerbil orbs, or gorbs, as <laughs> gorbs. I like to call them. Um, gorbs. It's, it's 2017, Madeline. Good. Uh, that means I know my year. It's the year of the rooster. Well, cock-a-doodle-doo to that. Uh, which means, if you're 24 this year... I'm not... Uh, I think my sister is. No. No, she... You should know this. <laughs> she's 25. <laughs> she's gonna turn 25 this year. Oh, snap. If you're 24 this year, I have some bad news. It's unlucky. 
Whenever it's the 12th, 24th, or other multiples of 12s of the year in which you were born, that's bad luck in the Chinese zodiac. That's not good. No, it's bad because the the belief is like every other year you can do stuff to be lucky, but on the year of your birth or the 12th year of your birth or whatever. You're boned. you're, You're straight boned. You're absolutely flimflammed <laughs> that's not anything Even a word and i agree with you <laughs> i wanted you to complete my spongebob reference but you didn't so i had to complete sorry it i uh you're tired I, I know do the spongebobs oh. all i know about spongebob is the chocolate chocolate <laughs> anyway uh oh, so God, if it's the year if you're born in the year of the rooster you can just wear some red to Avoid that. Oh, but, wow, uh, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, the year of the rooster is just represented... Yeah, just all year. Red wow. underwear. Just get a lot of pairs of it. Um, get those hot red panties on. You, the year of the rooster is represented... <laughs> <laughs> nice recovery. It's represented by the earthly branch symbol, Yol. Uh, the earthly branch system is a method of like reckoning time, so it's like a calendar, and it's built by observing the orbit of Jupiter or Swixing, uh, I think, S U I X I N G, um, and it's they they basically round its orbit to twelve years, and the Yule branch occurs during the zodiac year of the rooster or vice versa, and it's associated with autumn and the eighth lunar month, so August. And the rooster is associated with the element metal, meaning this is the dominant chi during the autumn, and it's a period of harvesting and collecting, and it is a yin sign. And uh, it, it, those born in the year of the rooster, your lucky numbers are 5, 7, and 8. Avoid 1, 3, and 9. And your lucky flowers are gladiola, impatience, and coxcomb. And your mm. lucky colors are gold, brown, brownish gold and yellow avoid white and green at all costs all costs look out now you want a treat i already gave your brother a treat you can't have a treat i guess you can because it's only fair stop looking at me with those big old eyes (laughs) those big old eyes (laughs) um here you fat turd you gorb gorb have you ever heard of a cockatrice yes do you know what it is yes what is it lydia it is a relative of the basilisk but kind of opposite it's like a chicken with the with some snake attributes and it like can look at you and you're like oh no and you die yeah the cockatrice uh goes back it was it's the current idea of the cockatrice goes back to the 14th century, but it's been existing in some form since much earlier. In 1180 AD, 1180 AD, uh, Alexander, 80. yeah, Alexander Necom's De Naturis Rerum described the cockatrice as the product of an egg laid by a cock, incubated. Wait, wait what culture was he from? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I want to say he's, he's just British. Some Alex. Alexander 
What's his name? I'm I'm doing some live googling here, folks. <laughs> mm, we prepare ahead of time here on That's Wild. I want to say he's either British or French. Um, stop being so freaking British. Stop. Okay, he's British. Cool. Yeah, Go he's on. British. Thank you. Um, in 1180, uh, Alexander Neckham's De Naturis Rerum described the cockatrice as the product of an egg laid by a cock incubated by a, incubated by a toter snake. I should have mentioned, the cockatrice is mostly a European thing. Uh, like medieval or a, a little bit pre-medieval. He's a Europe uh, boy. Europe, yeah, he's a Europe boy. And basically what happens is once you have this boy egg incubated by a toad or a snake uh you get this two-legged dragon or serpent with the head of a rooster and it's often confused with a basilisk but basilisks don't have legs and well depending on depending on where you pull them from because i think the earliest basilisks were basically cockatrices well then it's a cockatrice yeah but (laughs) i don't know but um and I think basilisks are toads' eggs hatched beneath a chicken. Oh, backwards. which wouldn't work like if you actually think about how toads' eggs are. But this is mythology. Would <laughs> could a toad incubate a chicken egg? Mm, probably. Have we not, tried? Because they are ectotherms, so they have, probably have we tried keep just it getting? Enough. It would have, have we... to be a big toad. Yeah, have we tried that? Can we try getting cockatrices? <laughs> I don't know um, if that would be nice to all the animals involved, but uh, <laughs> um, go on about cockatrice. It, it was thought that if you wanted to prevent a cockatrice from hatching, uh, you could throw a cock's egg over the family house, landing on the other side without the egg hitting the house. How would you tell but, if it was a cock's egg? Yeah, I was going to say, first you would have to find a cock's egg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is sort of the bigger issue. They're not really layers. No, they're they're more uh the other thing. <laughs> Impregnators. Sperm droppers. Sperm droppers cuz cuz chickens lay the eggs. Mm, how does that work? Are they already fertilized when they're laid? Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Because otherwise, how would that work? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking like a salmon thing or something. Basically, they... in the oviduct, the egg and I didn't research this, so I'm going off memory, which might not be correct, but the egg doesn't have a shell yet, but it's, like, otherwise ready. It doesn't have a solid shell. The sperm mm-hmm. goes in, pop, and then the the chicken real quick kind of frosts the egg as it's coming out with the shell. Mm-hmm. I hope this is correct. Whereas then, salmon just lay their eggs and then a, a boy salmon just, that's, like... Yeah, and that's how amphibians do it mostly, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once animals re- came to the land and were like, okay, we're going to be on land all the time now, they were like, well, you can't just spray your sperm in the water anymore because air is not like water and the sperm gets dried and it doesn't go to the eggs. And also the eggs dry out because they don't have shells. So then they were like, we have to have shells. And then they were like, well, how are we going to get the sperm in the egg if it has a shell? <laughs> and then they were like, how about dicks? Um, and that's how dicks were made. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to go back to animal phalluses 
all the time with you. Well, it's uh, it's an important question in well, evolution. Important uh, like, invention. <laughs> like you said earlier, uh, cockatrices can kill you if they look at you. Mm-hmm. But there's one animal who is immune to a cockatrice's deathly glare. Do you know who it is? Is it a weasel? You're absolutely correct. <laughs> I knew it. I've done my European bestiary research sometimes. Do you want to guess where the first use of the word cockatrice was? No. John Wycliffe's <laughs> 1382 translation of the Bible. Ooh. <laughs> and I, I like this tidbit because the guy's name is John Wycliffe, but in my head, I was thinking Wycliffe John, who's a reggae artist. <laughs> That's a really good name. <laughs> I should name my D&D character that. John Wycliffe or Wycliffe John? Wycliffe John. <laughs> Get the dollar dollar bill. Um, in Shakespeare's Richard III, the Duchess of York compared her son, Richard, to a cockatrice. <clears throat> oh, ill-dispersing wind of misery. Oh, accursed womb, the bed of death. A cockatrice hast thou hatched the world whose unavoided eye is murderous. End scene. <laughs> clapping and for that performance. Thank you. Oh, it scared my gerbil. Don't be scared. And uh, just, just before we finish, we're going to take a quick trip to Rome because you 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 mentioned Romans breeding mm-hmm. chickens for eating for egg purposes for and chomping. I, said I was going to I was going to quibble with that. Um the chicken was actually not a popular meat to eat during the Roman Empire, which maybe it was during said, two different time periods. Two too. different Roman empires. Well, no, cuz you the know the Roman, Roman Empire was there time. for a while. Yeah, yeah so um but uh, the reason it wasn't eaten was because the the chicken was a really respectable uh, member of the family and also <laughs> uh, a prominent member of the Roman government and military forces. Oh, <laughs> even, yes, I did read about this. Even lions were believed to be fearful of roosters. They're so um, strong. They were very common pets for boys. Um, and also, the Romans used chickens predict the future uh for example they use them for augury which is predicting the future by studying the movement of birds and then electromancy which is predicting the future by studying animal feeding patterns um so basically for electromancy they would put some bird seed over some letters that they drew on the floor and then when they released the chickens to peck at them um they would put the letters of that the chickens ate the bird seed from together and used that to spell out words. Kind of uh, like that Japanese game where, or I guess like a Ouija board but like the uh, Japanese version where they uh, Kokkuri-san. Is that what you're yeah, about? that one. But they don't use chickens for that. It's kind they of don't. like an American Ouija board. You put your fingers on a yen coin and then you yeah. move it around. Um, I thought of something else. That would be like if you were like you wanted to see if your crush liked you so you would put your crushes the letters of your crush's name all on the outside of all the letters to make it more likely like oh she likes claudius likes me anyway claudius um 
we'll talk about kokuri san another day because i really like kokuri but yeah. um uh electriomancy was with the grain and the letters and then there was um extripitus which was a form of augury which is the movement of birds again uh and it was kind of similar to electriomancy but it involved uh studying how the birds moved while they were eating um and then making general predictions based on that. So, um, if a chicken refused to come out of its cage or eat, or if it crowed or beat its wings, or if it flew away, uh, it was considered a bad sign. And if a chicken left its cage to feast and something fell from its mouth and landed on the ground, it was a good sign. Maybe and, it was a sloppy chicken. Uh, it might have been a sloppy chicken. <laughs> and this was usually practiced during war out on the war front. They just had chickens <laughs> with the generals. <laughs> um, and they would just release chickens and be like, all right, this war is definitely not going to go well. <laughs> so, I feel an ill wind coming. Way. Fetch me my chickens. Uh, and... Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder was a naturalist who yes, didn't know anything. Anything, he, anything at all. He, what did he say? What sixty something species of uh, fish? Uh, are that's you saying many. that that's the most egregious thing Pliny the Elder? Has to <laughs> no, say? but it's pretty funny. Uh, I have some fun chicken things. Um, according to Pliny the Elder, poultry quote-unquote, will never be touched by a fox. And if they have eaten the dried liver of that animal, or if the cock, when treading the hen, has a piece of fox skin around his neck, uh, it will never be touched by a fox. Like, <laughs> like if, it, if you put the dried liver of a fox on your chickens or on oh, your Oh, okay. Roosters, so you started out by saying poultry will never be touched by a fox, but you meant... As long if they have as you do the these certain liver. things. Yeah, yeah. Because I was about sentence. to be like, even for Pliny, that's quite a statement. Um, and the same <laughs> property is also attributed to a weasel's gall. Uh, you know. <laughs> you wacky weasels. Uh, and chicken soup. It was a superpowered medicine. Uh, and it was... It Still was is. Able, it was able to keep panthers and lions repelled by anyone who rubbed it on their bodies chick the soup yes the soup <laughs> like just and... taking a soup shower yeah yeah well like rubbing it well how um, would because... you rub a soup uh, I don't... you can take like <laughs> soup and rub it on yourself <laughs> but like okay what like would you take the chicken out of the soup or just the broth or it what? would just like, be the broth i don't what? know i mean it wouldn't be That's like not celery and chicken bits <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that doesn't... Listen, the Romans didn't bathe. These people have no... <laughs> people were gross. I'm not concerned about the dirtiness. I'm just like, is it chicken soup if you just take the broth? Then it's chicken broth. I don't... It so says do you have broth. to take bits of chicken? Oh, it says broth? It says chicken soup, and then it also says broth, and it says particularly the broth works even better if it's boiled with garlic, and if it was made okay, from an ancient rooster. If it's just the broth versus the chicken soup, I don't know why I'm so hung up on this. this it's the point. broth. And if the broth was made from an ancient rooster, Ooh. it would be particularly beneficial hey, to people suffering. what's an suffering. ancient rooster? I was gonna ask you. <laughs> I can't. It's, it's, 
It's particularly beneficial to people suffering from fevers, paralysis, palsy, arthritis, headaches, eye infections, gas, loss of appetite, liver, kidney and bladder problems, indigestion, asthma, dysentery, and constipation. Um, if you had roasted liver and skin of a chicken mixed with poppy seed juice and you served it in wine, it was good for stomach ailments, but this is actually probably because of the poppy. <laughs> not anything to do with the chicken um hydrophobia or rabies was cured by eating chicken brains and a rooster's comb or dung mixed with vinegar and applied to a bite from a rabid dog would prevent the worst of rabies and hen dung applied to the skin was also useful for restoring lost hair due to mange um mm. If you suffer from migraines, so this is for my friend Nicole, who suffers from migraines a lot, uh, fashion a headdress out of rooster feathers and then spend all day and all night without food while hanging out with the rooster that you should tell my sister to do this. Although, realistically, it will probably make things worse, not just because you're not eating, but also because you have... A rooster. Allergy-inducing rooster feathers on your head. So I would and also not... the rooster is crowing. Yes. I would not advise 0 out of 10. 0 out of 10, plenty. Uh, white rooster gall. What is gall? Uh, it... Stop drinking so loudly. Um, it... Gall. I know the gallbladder. I don't... I guess g- gall is the fluid in the gallbladder. Somebody look this up for us. Is it chutzpah? <laughs> it's not chutzpah. White rooster gall. Chutzpah is not... <laughs> okay, go on. Go on, Sarah uh, Palin. <laughs> white rooster gall would cure eye problems, including cataracts, and also ulcers. And uh, red poultry dung was important ingredients in remedies for night blindness, uh, I guess you just rub it on your eyes. And suddenly you can see in the dark? Yeah, I don't know. Night blindness? Night blindness. <laughs> I feel like that's more of the human condition. Yeah, this is for see. like people doing night ops. <laughs> when they <laughs> they suddenly get night vision, like everything's green and tinted. Uh, Hengal and fat cured pustules of the pupils. Which just Plus sounds really of the pupils. really unpleasant, and I'm wondering how often Pliny came across this that he was like, "We need a cure." Um, He's like, "You've got a pustule there, ma'am." And then nosebleeds were cured by brains and blood of a cock applied to the forehead, and various chicken material could be mixed with oil for ear problems. Great. Uh, roosters had aphrodisiac applications. And one could increase their sex drive and prowess by simply wrapping the right testicle of a cock in ram skin and wearing it as an amulet. But if you smear these testicles with goose grease or cock's blood by accident and then place it under a... (laughs) Just with all your goose grease and your cock's blood on your hands on a daily basis. You place it under a bed, then it will inhibit desire. Mm Mm-mm. These are a lot of things to just do accidentally. Um, With chicken bits. Yeah. Lastly, rooster testicles should be consumed by an expectant mother if she wants to birth a son. Uh, or Olivia a horrible actually. Chicken human hybrid. Yeah, a cockatrice. <laughs> That's not what that are. <laughs> Those are. 
<laughs> Livia uh, employed a slightly different method in order Livia? to ensure... Livia, I'll get to her. She's the mother of Emperor Tiberius. Okay. Because she... I don't, I, you're just talking about a random Livia. I don't even know what you're on about here. She was the mother of Emperor Tiberius, and she attributes the fact that she was able to give birth to a handsome son. Well, he wasn't that handsome, but the son to, uh, she kept an... <laughs> <laughs> I studied Roman art, and none of these emperors were very attractive in their photos, except maybe you like, heard it here first, folks. Uh, Augustus, ratings, ratings by Maddie zero out of Augustus ten. could get it. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> anyway, and these are completely subjective uh, opinion. Uh, no, objective. Sorry, opinions. On Hadrian, answers. Emperor Hadrian, he could get it, but he was super gay. Um, so not with me, but somebody else. Someone. <laughs> anyway. Probably a eunuch. He he got it with Ant- Antinous. Antoninus? Cool. I, Antoninus and Antinous confuse me because their names are very similar. Uh, we're getting off track. <laughs> Livia uh, attributed the fact that she was able to give birth to a son to the fact that she kept an egg between her breasts while she was pregnant. The whole time? Yeah, and so that provided Just the there? services. Yeah, it provided Didn't it get the services- stinky? Well, I mean, I guess she might have taken it out to go to sleep. Well, I know, but it wouldn't it would go rotten eventually. Well, it was a fertilized egg and uh, the chick hatched. I, I don't think that would work. But I believe her. I don't <laughs> believe her. It's possible she lied. <laughs> possible. So the chick uh, just hatched, and then what did she do with it? Did she just keep it in her boobs, like a little no, boob I th- chicken? I, I think she might have given it back to the mom. No, she probably was like, here, not. I did you a solid. <laughs> I incubated this with my breasticles. Yeah, my boobs. My boobs. My boobams. Um, speaking of else? chicken fertility, I do Tell have about chicken one, fertility. Last, one last thing to mention. Um... I didn't, again, I'm doing this off of memory because what you were talking about just made me think of it. But I have, so I may get some details wrong. But I have heard that at one point in some line of broiler chickens, um, they accidentally bred evil roosters. What? Well, because naturally, when a a rooster- The Colombians were right! (laughs) The, uh, the uh, the rooster does a little uh sexy dance to tell the female let's let's bone and the female, um, goes into lordosis to be like okay, right. um but they accidentally bred the dance out of the roosters so the roosters would just really aggressively try to mount the chickens. Um, and sometimes they would kill them in the process because Ooh. the chickens would fight back and stuff and it was terrible. And um, this. they so, and then they realized like it took them a while to. Re- they were like, "Oh, we bred the part, the specific sequence. It, it's For called evilness. A, well, it, it's called a stereotyped behavior where this mating dance was like a very like it had a specific code. They performed it the same way each time, mm-hmm. and." Just somewhere in the line of breeding for really fat, stupid chickens <laughs> to eat, they just uh, lost that aspect uh, and accidentally created monster roosters. Um, and it's a it's a lesson in breeding. I mean, there have been other terrible things that have come, like they've 
bred chickens that are so fat that their legs are too weak to walk and they've bred chickens that like you know all kinds of terrible things happen to their bodies so making me sad about chickens i'm sorry but you know you know so and i they did stop that line i believe and there are Mm -hmm. other things that they're doing to try and fix chickens and the pigs also have a lot of problems especially with litter sizes and stuff like that but um yeah that just made me think of that um let me end with a happier chicken fact okay um chicks talk to their moms before they hatch (gasps) oh they will peep in their egg when they're cold and the mom will come and sit on them and they'll also just talk back and forth like they'll peep and the mom will cluck, and then the chick will make, like, a happy peep. This like, a is good peep. the best thing I've ever heard in yeah. my life. And so they, they talk in their shells. Um, it's really cute. Um, and that is adorable. Hens, broody hens, which is uh, when they... <laughs> it's actually really funny. If, if a hen starts laying and another hen sees the egg, she's like, I'm going to lay there, too. And, Aww. like, I read this description of, like, sometimes... The one hen will be sitting on the egg, and the other hen is like, I want to lay there, but you're in the way, so she'll sit on top of the hen and lay an egg on top of her. <laughs> and they just like to <laughs> to combine their nests sometimes. I and love. Sometimes people will use a fake egg, and the chicken will see it and be like, oh, dang, let me lay one. Um, <laughs> anyway, broody it. hens will brood about anything, so you've seen those cute videos of like, oh, she's brooding a kitten, or... Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, and and chicks when they're born are very temperature dependent and in fact, I think for like the first 24 hours they are still feeding off their yolk, so they don't need to eat, they just need to be mm-hmm. warm. So if you put your hand out to a newborn chick, it would automatically snuggle into it cuz it's trying to get warm and it's pretty cute. Um they're very snuggly. Um so, yes. Well, on another positive note, unrelated to chickens, since we're closing out the show, we got our first fan letter from somebody that we didn't force to listen to our show. (laughs) We also got some fan art, didn't we? Yeah, we got some fan art from your friend, Hannah. Yes, from Uh, Hannah. She drew that really fun dinosaur that I can't remember the name of. T-Rex? No, no, the the one that, the display... The Displetosaurus? Hornaris? Yeah. Displetosaurus <laughs> Hornary. Um, and she drew it with the, the little star nose mole tentacles that I that I said. Um mm-hmm. and and she wrote Miss Nuzzlenose, best quality her wriggles. And uh I love it. I love it I so love much. It I'm gonna frame it and put it on my wall. Yeah. Um and then the email we got was from a somebody named Bridget, uh, which is a really very good name because that's the name of an Irish goddess that belongs to the Tua de Danan, which is a group of very important gods in the Celtic pantheon. And then when Christianity came to Ireland, she became synchronized with the the saints, and she became Saint Bridget. And uh, this is unrelated to our Bridget, right? And, and what do you call a, a uh, an Irish weeb? Because that's what you are. I know, I'm so sorry. I have an, I have an original character named Bridget who's part of a, a story that I wrote oh, that yeah. I wanted to I've turn into a TV I've show. I, I really have a special place in my heart for the name Bridget. There's there's a there's a uh, a convent 
that we're still on this, huh? We're Listen, still... there's a convent not on the fan that letter maintained... that our beautiful fan. <laughs> there's a convent in Ireland where nuns maintain a perpetual sacred flame dedicated to the goddess slash saint, and this traces back to the worship of Hestia from ancient Greece, who's one of the goddesses of the pantheon, and Vesta, who's the Roman version of her. Anyway, the letter anyway. reads, Hi, I've been enjoying your podcast, and I got super into your talk about polydactyl cats because my cat is polydactyl. Her giant clumsy feet give me life. Her name is Applejack. She has six toes on each foot. I actually thought she had seven, but your podcast encouraged me to recount. Her paws are kind of split into two groups of three, like a very funny little heart shape, and the ones off to the side have an extra pad of skin like the normal cap paw print looks like. Happy birthday, Lydia. Enjoy the gratuitous, enjoy the gratuitous picture of my cat. I tried to choose ones that let you see her feet and how beautiful she is. Did you look at those pictures, Lydia? I did. They were very good. And this is there were the so most beautiful cat. Beans. This is the most beautiful cat. It's so she's fluffy. So fluffy. She's so fluffy and she's she white. Has- extra and beans like orange fur on her back and her face and her name is applejack and i love her she's so i love good. the beans she's, she's so, got so many toes how many beans is that that's a six on each hand that's four times six which is a number and it's 24 24 <laughs> it's 24, <laughs> it's 24 I'm beans I, i'm sorry you i think you wanted me to help you with that but i'm not good at math <laughs> i figured it out on my own it's okay i'm proud of you um also uh what was i gonna say if you guys want to send us an email y- you can email us at that's wildpodcast.gmail.com and uh if you want to just reach out to us um, you can find Lydia at Batragus on Twitter, B-A-T-T-R-A-G-U-S, or you can find me on Tumblr or Twitter. On Tumblr, I'm I-C-H-I-K-U-N. Yeah, you can find Lydia sorry, on Tumblr, Sorry, I didn't too. mean to she's, talk over your spelling. She's, oh, sorry. You can it's find okay. Lydia on Tumblr at Corios, K-O-R-Y-O-S dot Tumblr dot com. You can find me on Tumblr at Ichikun, I-C-H-I-K-U-N, or at, uh... Kagune-kun? Kagune- <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot what I was going to say. I was like, what was the other thing I was going to say? You can find me on Twitter at Kagune-kun, K-A-G-U-N-E underscore K-U-N. Um, and just, just give us a shout out. Uh... If you know Jeff Corwin or Jane Goodall, help us get them on our show. Yeah, let, let them know we're looking for guests. Hey, let Jeff. Them... <laughs> hey, Jeff. Jeff, we're going to get you. Hey, Jeff. How Sweet. you doing out there? You still hey, picking up toads? Mr. Attenborough. <laughs> Mr. Burrow. Stop talking about whale sperm and come on our show. Um, you beautiful, and, beautiful beast. Uh, Lydia and I are still trying to get Nintendo Switches, so... <laughs> Please send us a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Please send us money for a Nintendo Switch. Please or just send us a physical a one. A real, actual Nintendo Please Switch. Please send, send us, us The Legend of Zelda drawing? Breath of the Wild. Yeah, send us a drawing of us holding Switches. Actually, don't do that because we don't get anything out of that. You don't get anything out of that. It just makes us sad for um, what could be. You know what? I get the satisfaction of th- someone's out there making beautiful art of my dreams. Um, that's another thing. I'm an artist. If you want to give me Switch money, but you want me to do something for you, I'll draw you a picture. <laughs> I'm a professional artist. I'm 
getting my master's degree in art. She is a professional artist. I'm a professional um, writer. Maybe if people give you money, you'll write something for them? I guess. People are less willing to give you money for writing than art. What's up with that? Yeah. Hey. Commission Lydia to do fan fiction for Commi- you. Commission I did me. a fan fiction for someone. It was a Harry Potter fan fiction. I've illustrated your characters for you. Yeah, she's a good character. And uh, I've written a Harry Potter fan fiction for someone. Tell me about that Harry Potter fan fiction really quick. Uh, It was a personal commission, and it involved someone's original character, so I don't know how much. But it it did involve them taking the Ron, not Ron, sorry, Neville and Luna and Cho out, like, clubbing in London. It was a good time. I love it. I yeah. love it. Uh, do you have a lot of firsthand experience with clubbing? Was that no? I had to research it. I've never been clubbing. No, it wasn't. I was gonna was say they went to like a bar. What did they do? I researched the underground music scene in London for that fic. I took it very seriously and I tried very hard. So I hope it came out good, y'all. You mean to commission Lydia to do more fan fiction? Do more fan fictions in scenarios I am completely uncomfortable with. I'll do it for you. For that Nintendo Switch money. For that Switch money, yo. That sweet, sweet Switch that money. delicious, tasty Switch money. Um, Give our show you... email. Yeah, I already said it, but oh, it's, that's why it's, it's still that's thatswildpodcast.gmail.com. I'm not mentally present anymore. Do you have any last things you want to share with us before we go, or are you good? Uh, Kalugos, which are flying lemurs, known by cute. the name flying lemurs. They're cute only from the top half. Um, on the bottom half, they're nightmare creatures. Uh, they are not lemurs, They're but they're related to primates. Anyway, they have cool teeth, and you should look up what Kalugo teeth look like. They have a special comb set of teeth on the bottom jaw so that's my homework assignment for you is to google kalugo that's c-o-l-g-u-o teeth you spelled that wrong i did c-o-l-u-g-o use that spelling because i'm very sleepy sleepy and and Um, look at their teeth their teeth are cool are you looking at their teeth madeline no let me look at them yeah and let's get your reaction live Let's get it on the podcast. Let's get it on the caption. C-O-L-U-G-O teeth. Oh, they've got some fun bottom teeth. Mm -hmm. See? What am I looking for? uh, Yeah, they're they're like a little scoop. It's fun. They're combs. Like, they actually use them to groom themselves with. They're (gasps) comb teeth. That's adorable. Oh, wow, they are. Yeah, they're kind of like... Oh, those are like legitimate combs. I, what did I say? What did I say? I didn't I have say? a close-up image, but now I do. These things are absolutely bonkers. I know. And they don't have teeth um, on the top part of their jaw there, too. I was going to say, no, they don't. Yeah. And they also use them to scoop things out of, uh, to scrape, like, leaves and such things off leaves. But yeah, they uh, they use them as comb. And, oh, God, what are they called? The pecked... Some, there's a name for comb teeth because a few mammals have them. But yeah, it's pretty neat. That's I was supposed to think of a short, pithy animal fact. That was my assignment, and that was what I came up with. So I'm sorry, everyone. But I was looking up Kalugo teeth the other night, and that's all I could think of. Kalugo are very cute, guys. All right, Except that's all for bottom. today. So we'll talk to you later. 
I love you. Bye, everyone. Bye. I love you. I kiss.